Hi, I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to Friends with Elephants. A show for the cool nerd in you. It's week 18. Yes, we have made it to 18 episodes and we're broadcasting live from two different forts today because unfortunately Ivana is an incredible trooper, but she's also she's sick so she still wanted to record because we didn't plan for her being sick well who plans for being sick nobody plans for i mean sick. actually that would be amazing because then you could get sick during times that it's okay for you to get sick but That's it just right. never works that way no so ivana built this amazing fort while sick that has a it has like a wall it's, it's two a... forts beside each other with a fort wall separating me and, and, and Jay. So we actually, for the first time in recording history, cannot see one another. I can't see her. Although I can do this. Hey! <laughs> there's can... there's a little peak area at the floor, <laughs> which is where we pass the mics back and forth. And I, I may have just pinched her leg. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, we were chatting earlier when you came over. And I can't believe that I'm going to say this. It's currently mid-June and you told me that your next available Saturday is in August? Yeah so Saturday night the next time I can actually book anything in is August and it, there's only a couple of August weekend Saturday nights left in my calendar. This is crazy to me. I was hoping that you would come with me and Blake to his parents cottage and I was expecting to be able to like be like hey, two weeks from now, we're going to go to the cottage. Can you come? And your answer is going to be no because of your crazy, weird-ass schedule. But I don't know how crazy this schedule is. I mean, this is just the summer. Things book up really, really quickly, and people are asking for your time, and you want to see people. You want to see everybody from your spouse's side and from your sp side. So I don't. how crazy is it really that I'm just booking in time with people? It's just crazy because of how far in advance you book time. I book time for people within a two-week stretch. Anything past two weeks, unless it's like a really big event, like um, a baby shower or a bachelor party or a bachelorette, like something like that, I like it has to be within two weeks. I don't know what my life is doing three weeks from now. That's insane. How exactly do you do that, though? Are you just vague with people? Oh, yeah, maybe we can make it. Gotta check my schedule. Well, no, if someone says, let's hang out, I say, okay, let's pick a day within the next two weeks. And if it's, if you can't make it a certain day, you just then, move on? Well, yeah, then if we have no overlapping time in the next two weeks, then we say, okay, a week from now we check in and do this again. Or we make a time for later than that and say, let's confirm within the two-week period of that time. So that you're never really bogged down with, oh my gosh, you have every weekend something's going on throughout the summer. Yeah, like, there, you're right. There are the occasional situations where you're both busy over the next two weeks. Often this results in both people being like, oh, I give up, let's just chat again soon. But if it doesn't, then we'll make tentative plans for the future and say let's check in with each other at this time to make those plans concrete. But I have no problem booking plans on any other night. Like, but it's like Friday nights are if great. I'm hanging out with someone and then like I want to go away for a weekend, but I've booked a Saturday evening with them. That kind of sucks. Then you're not going away for that weekend. Well, why don't, why don't we book the August? 
This is crazy to me. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else has this problem that they always feel like your time is committed to other things, but I've I've lived this way for the past I'm going to say three years where somebody says, I want to do something. And I say, let me pull up my schedule. How about this day? How about this day? And more often than not, my friends are all now saying, why don't you just give us dates? Yeah, because you're crazy. That's <laughs> I I have people that I do that with as well, where, you know, it's like, what about this day? No, I already am doing something. What about this day? No, well, I have to find out about this. And then the end result is you give us a time that you're available because you're clearly less adaptable. And I feel like that, I have to tell you, I'm sorry, Jay. I feel like that's a a message of frustration coming from your friends. It's a, it's a big turnoff, I think. Yeah. From inviting me to things because I'm always busy. Exactly. All right. Well, I'm going to try and get better at this in the coming months because I have gotten some comments. Um, any advice at all on how to clear my schedule in order to do this, but yet still make time for people, please let me know because I desperately want to see people. I love being social. I love seeing you, Ivana, and I'd like to see you on more of an occasion than just podcasting. Um, but I find that, you know what I find? I find people aren't flexible for weekdays. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you have to be flexible for weekdays. You, it's a balance because you want to have at least a couple weekdays where you don't have something, and that can book up quickly with like work things. And I know that next week we've got clubs and we've got podcasting and I've got family coming in. Um, Us too. We have the same. We're doing Father's Day with Blake's family next week. Um, but you know what? This is a situation we are calling for your advice. How can Jay? become a little bit more flexible with his time so that his friends do not exasperatedly say, just give us a time that works for you. Um, And if you record it, we will actually put you into our podcast. Definitely. Although we probably will edit it a bit. Jay's very good at that. And if you write it, we will read it on the podcast. Absolutely. So you know how to get in touch with us. All right. It's time for a nerd battle. And remember, This section will have spoilers. This week, we're taking on the best Pixar film of all time, which is clearly WALL-E. Uh, no. It's Up. Okay, so if you haven't seen WALL-E or Up, get ready to be spoiled. Also, if you haven't seen WALL-E or Up, you're crazy. You are crazy. And we should mention that this nerd battle has been chosen because a certain movie has recently come out in movie theaters. Yes, Inside Out did quite well over the weekend, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> it is the weekend, so we know it's doing very well, don't we? It got great reviews. Yeah, it's do I think it's going to be unbelievable and I cannot wait to see it myself and I believe that we have tentatively agreed to do a double date with our significant others to if see I this. If I can movie. only find time. So we are going to see this movie, and then we'll talk about it one day in movie section. Absolutely. But right now, I'm going to tell you why Wally is better than Up. First of all, the silent film aspect of Wally, if that didn't come out, we never would have got the first 10 minutes of Up, making it the trendsetter for emotion and silence and beautiful scenery. 
Okay, fair on that point, but I don't think that the silent film aspect of it makes it a better movie. I think the fact is that Up was far more rooted in emotions. Wally is an allegorical tale to warn us about the potential future, where Up is about true primal humanity, what it means to give up on life, what it means to meet someone and be willing to restart your life again. It's not just an allegory of how we could potentially leave our planet. It's also about wasting our emotions and how AI and artificial intelligence cannot just save us and be a good thing, but it can remind us of how human we are. It's like the best parts of the new Avengers movie showing us that it's okay to be emotional and it's okay to love and we can see this because of a robot named Wally who just wants a friend in Eve to hold his hand. I mean, let's be honest, there's probably some very similar themes going on between those two movies because it's the exact same story in Up. We are taught, except the difference is that with Up, this man knows what love is, he's lived his life, and now he just doesn't know how he'll ever go forward. He doesn't know how he'll ever continue to live. And this cute little kid comes into his life, disrupts his self-pity. And cute he doesn't want to be disrupted. Is a stretch. But then he finds That a- kid is not cute. Oh my that god, is that a kid stretch. is adorable. That is a stretch. How and is a that? Half. It is that kid. I give you Wally for cuteness. If you're talking cuteness, I give you Wally and Eve. I'm not talking about physical cuteness. I'm talking about cuteness of soul, cuteness of spirit, cuteness of innocence. Which Wally gives us in droves. I don't know that Wally's that innocent. Eve, maybe, but Wally is not that innocent. Eve has two guns strapped to her. She is way less innocent than Wally. Wally is just spending all of his time finding all the things that we think are waste, but are really great treasures, like the lighter, or trying to put a bra on his eyes because he just is so innocent and doesn't understand. Yes, that, that, that is adorable, eyes, but Wally. it is not nearly as important and truthful as the fact that this man learns to love again and learns to live again and learns that just because the person that you wanted to spend your life with is gone, you can continue going forward. And also, I think one of the greatest things about Up is that it touches on a lot of truths. The fact that life is not as much of a fairy tale as we think it's going to be, but we keep going and we keep living and we find moments to treasure even around all of the disappointments that come with life. And I think that's an incredible story to tell. Also, Wally was not nominated for Best Movie in the Academy Awards, but Up was. In fact, Up is the second animated movie of all time to be animated for Best Picture. Uh, second? I Wasn't Snow White up for Best Picture? No, only Beauty and the Beast. Hmm, okay. According to the internet. Well, the internet <laughs> has not failed us before. Exactly. The internet <laughs> always tells the truth. Well, I want to just jump back to Wally, okay? Okay. We have, we get this cautionary tale of how we might leave our planet and become these inactive people roaming around in these chairs who have no personal connection to one another. And then we have this little robot who, by all accounts, should have fried out like all of the other Wally units. 
and he is the one who shows us the way. He's the one who comes up to that spaceship to remind everybody there is a world worth fighting for and hope can spring eternal, even if it's just from one seed of vegetation that has somehow lived on after we've destroyed our planet. And don't forget, by and large, is a corporation that basically owns the entire Earth. And they're the ones who are have the last ounce of humanity floating around space. Aren't we so in danger of having these corporations conglom and then build one massive, by and large, corporation I mean, you're exactly... that could tell us the future of everything you're totally right but the problem is that that is exactly what i'm saying is this is an allegory it's a tale to warn us what happens if we don't hold on to our humanity which i just think i think that's less important no i think that that is way less exciting than the truth of the matter of living your life and finding the beautiful moments within it and and learning how to be happy with the hand that you are dealt. I think showing an entire hum- human race, the entire human race, building towards an interesting sci-fi moment and wrapping it around all of the great things we've done in the past, which is completely nostalgic, but in the eyes of this robot is new and fresh you and exciting. I'm I feel like we undervalue all of our achievements and this little guy shows us all the beauty that we actually had and up to an extent up does the same thing because we see the whole life through an old man who has lost the one thing he loved the most but i think the impact of wally is far greater see i think the impact of up is far greater and i'm going to play the crying card to prove it i watched both movies Thank goodness I watched Up at home and not in the movie theater, because that would have been really embarrassing. <laughs> but Up, I cried in those first 10 minutes, and I did not stop crying until the movie ended. With Wally, I enjoyed the first 10 minutes, but I didn't really start my bawling until the end. Oh, come on. He is so wonderful. And Did you cry say- in the movie theater all throughout? I don't think so. I did not cry throughout all of Up. I got weepy in the first 10 minutes, and I never had that emotional connection again until the very end. Oh my end. god, are you not... kidding? I cried constantly. Every happy moment, every constantly. little joke, I was like crying because I, I felt torn between the grief and the happy moment, and I think that is life. I think life is us being torn between grief and happy moments. And what Up teaches you is to enjoy those happy moments because they are worth enjoying. And if we let them go, then we miss them forever. Well, obviously, we can't agree on what Pixar's greatest film is. I think what we can agree with, what we can agree with is that Pixar is a studio that really knows how to get to the emotional core of not only its characters, but of people and its viewers and how to just reach in and just give it a little squeeze on your heartstrings. I don't know if there is a studio that does that better than Pixar. So I am really excited to see Inside Out when that comes up. Why don't you tell us what the greatest Pixar movie is to you? Jay, thank you so much for sending me this article. ScienceAlert.com wrote an article this week 
that indicates that science have identified a personality type that makes you chronically late. There are these people in the world. There are tons of people, actually, in my life who can't turn up on time for things. Actually, Ivana, you're one of them. I am totally one of them. I am chronically late. Um, about the only thing that I'm not late for is auditions, because you're not allowed to be. No, you're There's... not allowed to be. So what does the article tell us about the one thing that makes that that person late? Well, one of the things that I agreed with is they they mentioned that People who are chronically late tend to be multitaskers. Sure. I, I will 100% say I am not a multitasker. And I am totally a multitasker. And there is a cost to switching. The average human thinks that multitasking is something that is a positive thing. But in actuality, it's not. And it's really funny because have you ever seen job postings where people are like, ability to do to multitask, ability to work on multiple things. Yes. The problem is that humans are really bad at multitasking and if you think you're good it actually means you're worse and part of that is that there's a cost associated with transitioning from one task to another task absolutely and i've been saying this for years becky all the time is saying you have to be good at multitasking jay and i look at her and i say no i have to be really good at one thing then stop doing that and be really good at the next. But because people don't know, you also have to then pretend that you're multitasking. Right. I mean, multitasking is is different than working on more than one project at one time. Multitasking is when you think you're walking, talking on the phone, and sending an email. And that is like an incredibly difficult thing to do. I cannot type and talk. I can't Unless do that I'm literally sounding out what I'm typing and then I, I have to talk really slowly even though I'm a fast typer <laughs> so there's a type a person who is punctual which then, I think is crazy because I'm obviously type a you are very type a and chronically late there's, and there's also a, a type, type b person who I guess the study is saying we're more laid back yeah and that type b people are late and I think that's crazy because I would say Jay you are laid back I don't know about type A or type B, but you are very laid back and you're always on time. I know. And it's actually a bad thing sometimes when people invite us to parties and oh my it's God, an no. 8 o'clock start time. I arrive at 8 o'clock. That's Dude, when you ask me to be there. Do you know how rude that is? Becky says that too. She says that's like one of the rudest things that I can do is be on time for a party. Yeah. If someone invites you for a party that starts at 8, the earliest you should show up is 8.50. Why is that? When I throw a party and I say, be there at 8, at 7.50, I usually have a drink in my hand. Good. Then you have 25 minutes to relax and get a little tipsy. So why tell everybody to be there at 8 o'clock or that's when the party starts if you're not going to actually be ready for 8 o'clock? The point is you're trying to be ready for 8 o'clock, but you're not capable of doing it because you're running around multitasking trying to vacuum and clean the kitchen and set up drinks and get the food ready. Lately, though, you have actually kind of started being on time for things. How the hell did this happen? Blake is a big nagger. <laughs> <laughs> not even joking. There is not a time that he isn't nagging me about time. And so it's kind of like, I think, one, he makes me more aware of my time because he can't stop talking about it. But two... He's so annoying that I might as well just be on time for things so that I can stop him from being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it 
is time for Mary Do Ditch Movie Villain Edition. And we're excluding any superhero and fantasy films. And fantasy characters. Yes. And so, so these are real life villains. So people that you could come across in your day to day and you just hate them. So here are the ones that I've got for you. Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Negri from Jurassic Park. And Biff from Back to the Future. This is hard because it is villains. Yeah, none of these people are lovely people. I'm ditching Nedry. Okay. I hate him so much. He is just awful. Everything about him makes me angry. Uh, I am going to do Biff because at least he's young and he's got (laughs) that going for him. And I'm going to marry Hans Gruber because at least he's an evil mastermind. And so that's one good thing. Whoa. Okay. How about you? Uh, So me, I am going to marry Biff from Back to the Future. Going to ditch Nedry from Jurassic Park. And I am going to do Hans Gruber from Die Hard because Alan Rickman is a good looking man. (laughs) Who do you got for me? All right. I have Catherine Martell. I think that's how you say it. uh, From Cruel Intentions. (gasps) Okay. Miranda Priestley from The Devil Wears Prada. And Regina George from Mean Girls. I'm ditching Regina George from Mean Girls. What? I know. I know. I'm going to marry Miranda from Devil Wears Prada because she's older and lots of fashion. And, you know, she's awful, but she spends a lot of time in the office. So that's fine. And she's rich. And she's rich. And then I am doing Catherine because she told Sebastian he could do her any which way. And I will take you up on that, Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> I like that. Yours? Um, I am also ditching Regina George. She's just too mean. Um, oh my gosh. I am going to marry Catherine Martell. Ooh. Because she's just so sexy. And even though it would be a really bad marriage, I, I think I can, I knowing what I'm getting into, it'll be fine. And I will do Miranda Priestley because I'm curious what that's all about. Nice. This week in Movies and TV, we told you last week we were going to sit down with the pilot of Burning Love. That was a Ben Stiller, like, produced show. Mm-hmm. Um, and we watched it and we laughed so much. And remember, there are spoilers in this section. So if you don't but- want to know anything about Burning Love, you can move forward. We will leave one spoiler a secret. We have to. So Burning Love is a show that basically plays off the success of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And the way the show works is we have a guy who's pretty insensitive, who's looking through 25 smoking hot girls who all have their own problems. But the interesting thing is, because this is about three seasons ago, all of the people who signed up for the show are pretty well known now. Yeah, yeah, this was in 2012. And in fact, even when they signed up for the show, they were all doing really well. This was a situation where the concept was so good that you had actors who, despite the fact that they were well too famous to be on the show, just wanted to do it together because it's like an ungodly amount of comedians all together. So the concept is pretty simple. 
We have Ken Marino, who's one of the funniest I men love Ken Marino on Earth, so much. playing Mark Orlando. If and you don't know who I'm talking about, but Ken Marino, by the way, uh, and if if you keep hearing me and Ivana like walk over each other a little bit, it's because I can't see her. I know it's so weird. <laughs> um, so much harder to do a podcast when you don't difficult. see the person. So Ken Marino is that that douchey detective from veronica mars who's always in competition with mars investigations uh remember when he, he grabs the pen and he's like private ash i'm watching you <laughs> veronica mars i'm watching oh my god i love Ken marina so as soon as he popped up on screen i was just i'm in so what the concept is and why i think the show is so brilliant is you sit there and you watch things like the bachelor and the bachelorette and you know the reality of the situation, but the show is edited so that it appears more romantic than it actually is. Because let's face it, nobody, no guy wants to go on national television to piss off 24 women. Exactly. And not only that, um, what I like about the, like, I can't help but watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette without thinking, I wish I could see the real version of this show, not the romanticized version. And that is exactly what Burning Love gives you. It is kind of scripted. There is, I mean, it is scripted, but there's also clearly a lot of improv. Uh, the characters are created and each person has a character and it is just too funny. But those characters are kind of assholes. All of them. I love it so much. I would give this like five stars. Me too. Five out of five. Yes. What would you do if you were The Bachelor? Like, would you be like a douchebag like Marco Orlando? So 25 women want to have sex with me. Yeah, Becky doesn't exist. She, This is a world without her. It's not that they all want to have sex with you. They're competing for your love on a television show exactly like Burning Love. Oh, man. First of I... all, would you agree? If someone offered this to you in this parallel universe, would you agree? No. You wouldn't do it? No, I mean, I would not be The Bachelor. But what if someone asked you to be The Bachelor? I would say, no, I am not going to be The Bachelor. Why? Because I don't want to look, one, like an ass. But a lot of them are edited not to look like asses. I like, the show tries could... so hard not to make them look like asses. No, I would come off pretentious or... I'd like to see you get into movie fights with these girls. That's the other thing. There is nothing about these women that make me... Besides the fact that they're hot, there's no... Rede... I haven't watched an episode, really, so I can't really say, but there's not a lot of redeeming qualities I mean, to let's any be woman who wants to go on TV to sell their love. Burning Love is an, a perfect satire on Bachelor Bachelorette. It, it's maybe not on the nose. Like, Burning Love is very on the nose. All the things that The Bachelor tries to edit out, Burning Love makes front and center. Maybe so I'd these... make it with a couple of them. I, I know. Mean, why wouldn't you? I would make it with all of them. Me. I would love to be the Bachelorette. I think it'd be so much fun. <laughs> You've got all these guys. They compete for you. You get to act all like, oh, I'm just trying to be nice. But in reality, you're making out with 25 different people for fun. And, I mean, how seriously do you actually believe that this is going to work out? It's not. There's no way. I mean, it has for, I think, two or three couples out of the... Out of 25 seasons? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but two or three made it, so you could be one of those. <laughs> uh, 
So what do we have lined up for next week? Oh my gosh, so excited. Although we probably should mention that it's rated really poorly, so it could end up being a, a bust. It could be awful. But, but it we looks both good. loved the trailer so much and the cast. Yeah, cast, trailer, so exciting. It's a little independent film called The Loft, but it stars James Marsden, Carl Urban, who played Dread. If you have not seen Dread, you gotta see it. And Wentworth Miller. That is correct. And uh, it's about, it's. I bet you it's a morality tale for sure. Because it's about a bunch of guys who are actually men and who are mostly married and stuff. And they start renting or they purchase a loft where they can have indiscretions. Yes. And then all of a sudden, somebody walks into the loft and there's a dead woman. And now, probably one of them is the killer. Probably. So I think it's going to be a small-scale story, but I'm, I'm really intrigued by the cast, and I like the idea of these wealthy guys having a place to go and hook up with people, and... I want to see them get their comeuppance. I, that's exactly it. You know, they're all going to have their own personalities, and maybe, the, maybe it'll be a little horror-ish, more than thriller. I don't know, but I... Watched the trailer. I showed Ivana the trailer, and we were like, we are in. So next week, we will be watching The Loft. Please join us. Yes. It is time for Reddit Advice Corner. That's a good theme. Yep, it's going to change every week. Actually, I think next week you should do it. Sure. Yeah, I can sing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited. I have no idea what you're going to say, Jabe. This is a hard one. Okay, bring it on. Uh, Darth Nut wrote this. I edited it slightly to make it a bit shorter. About a year ago, my live-in girlfriend and I struck an incredibly close friendship with my sister and her husband and another married couple. I've never had such a busy social calendar or tried new awesome things all the time, like the six of us did over the past year. There was an extended group of friends who were all we often hung out with, but the six of us were the core. This weekend, my idiot sister, who I love and support 100%, slept with the husband of the other couple. Brother-in-law saw a text. Shit hit the fan. I feel like some of the best friendships I have ever had have now been destroyed. As the least involved of the couples, my girlfriend and I are in a painful position of trying to offer support to all of them without betraying trust. I've got my sister's back, even though she screwed up and I don't support what she did. And my girlfriend has been spending a lot of time with the wronged wife. It is so painful. The marriages will not survive. Everyone I know is coming to ask. Everyone I know is coming to us to ask what happened. And I don't know what to do or say. I need your help. What should I be doing? What should I avoid doing? Should I be talking about it with other people? I don't want to spread rumors, but if I tell people about it, at least I'm able to control the narrative. What is the checklist for this situation? Okay, well, you can't pick sides. That's number one. You can't side with your sister because she's your sister. You can't side with the husband because he's your friend. You just can't pick any sides. And when somebody comes to you, and this is true of almost any couple dispute that has ever come my way anyways, when they come to you, you have to act like you don't know the person they're talking about and give them the best advice or what they are asking. Oh, so you're saying if one of the other two couples comes to you, that's how you should answer. 
if anybody who you know comes to you and says, this is how this happened and this is what I, I need help with, I believe based on what they said happened, you give advice on that one scenario and that's it. I agree with that. What about the fact that all these other people are coming to him and asking? Personally, I think don't talk about it. I know that you mentioned something about controlling the narrative, but actually that's not possible. If you say anything at all, people will take that and then run with it and then it'll spin out of control. The best thing for you to do is to say, this is a really sad situation, it really sucks, and leave it at that. If the husband came up to me and said, oh my gosh, I did this, it's all out of the bag, I would say to him, do you want to save your marriage? That's a great question. And if he says yes, I'd say, then you have to do anything you can to save your marriage. That is all I'm going to say because I'm answering the one question and not getting involved in a in a way. The thing that I think sucks the most is if they don't work this out, you now are going to be kind of spread thin among these different people. Yep. And it's going, it, it will never be the same. But if everyone involved wants to repair their relationships, you can be supportive of that. That's the best thing that you can probably do in regards to talking with other people who are outside of those two couples don't say anything keep your mouth shut keep i'm not even your joking mouth shut it will backfire if you say anything so hope we were able to help you darth nut and uh get ready for some rocky times that's it for today folks thank you so much for listening be sure to tune in again next monday when we're going to talk about the loft and all kinds of other fun geeky things. If you'd like to reach out and tell us what's on your mind and or give us advice about Jay's predicament of being and tell us what's on your mind and or give us advice about Jay's predicament of being a planner, <laughs> check us out at friendselephants.com or on Facebook at friendselephants or email us at friendswithelephants.mail.com or email us at friendswithelephants at mail.com or you can always catch us on Twitter I'm at JesterJ I'm at It's Ivana basically really easy to find us and I'm going to get out of this port now oh my because gosh. I feel like Ivana's going to get me sick also I've been blowing my nose a lot it's off disgusting. recording yeah Jay is grossed out by me listen normally I would hide my disgust but I did that the whole podcast it's disgusting. <laughs> so please give us your ratings on iTunes, SoundCloud. I noticed we got some awesome new iTunes ratings this week. Thank, Thank you guys you so, much. so much. Keep it up. Keep rating us. We love you. Uh, and uh, uh -huh. it's just, it's time to get out uh -huh. of the fort. Uh -huh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Freedom!